hello, everyone. I apologize that we are two minutes late. That is not normally how we do things. So I'm very, very sorry about that. Um, I am so very excited that you are all here with us today. Um, I'm particularly excited that this is a room where we can just all talk and connect without the headsets and all of that. We can actually just have a really solid conversation. So let's give it up for Nate. Woo, sound tech guy, making it happen. Really, really appreciate that. Um, so for today, what we wanna do is have a good chat about robotics and automation at Amazon. We wanna talk a little bit about what this lovely panel of ladies are doing to drive that forward, the opportunities that they've had, the challenges that they've overcome, and hopefully during this session, you'll pick up a couple nuggets you'll be able to take with you, incorporate to your personal toolkit, and set you up for success moving forward. Sound good? All right, note, because this is gonna be a group setting, there will be audience participation. Claps, cheers are welcomed. So, okay, keep that in mind. All right, I just wanna go ahead and just run right through the panelists. Um, their bios are online with additional information, but just to share, uh, we've got Dia Wynn. She's actually from AWS. Not Amazon Robotics, AWS. So she's got a wealth of information um, on the transcribe time with lear machine learning. Um, we've got now I gotta practice right. Shuba Subramanian, haha. -ha. <laughs> she is on the global AI side um, and particularly working on our uh, university program. So lots of great space there. Uh, the two ladies on the end, oh, yep. Janae Glover, Nia Amatia, they are on the mechatronic side on, um, well, formerly advanced technologies. Uh, so Janae is on the customer experience side from the operations, so that voice of the customer making sure that our internal customers have what they need to be successful. And then uh, Nima does safety with robotics and technology. So lots of amazing breath here in terms of technology and involvement, so we're gonna have a really great time together. Um, what we're gonna do is gonna, have, we have some questions prepared that are gonna get into their story, and we should have some time for Q&A at the end. However, I wanted to just see if anyone had any questions coming right into this session so that we can see if we can incorporate them into our questions. So go ahead, just raise your hand, shout it out, and I can just make a note of it, see if we can fold it into our panel. If there are no questions to get us started, we'll go ahead and jump into what we have prepared. Fantastic. We've got content just for you. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? Being an Amazonian myself, how would uh, the robotics that are coming out now improve the machinery that we already have, like the Octa OPs and, the, uh, and some of the cages? All right, so yeah, I think we might have to be able to share some examples, not be able to get into too much detail just because some of our projects haven't quite been publicly announced yet just for the sake of this audience, but we can do our best to kind of talk about what we're working on to help drive safety uh, and all those types of um, improvements in our FCs. Does that work? Fantastic. Any other questions? Thank you all so much. Like I said, I'll try and have some time in case any questions come up during the panel. All right, to go ahead and get us started, I was wondering if, um, before we jump into kind of what they're doing now and the impact that they're having on robotics and innovation and all things that help all of us as Amazonian, as Amazon customers, I wanna hear how they got to where they are. And again, 
going beneath the surface of what's in the bio, um, kind of adding some of that um, the personal journey that they've had. Um, so I don't know if you want to go right down the line. Does anyone want to get us started with their story? <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Dia Wen, and as mentioned, I sit in Amazon Web Services, so that is our cloud services business. And I started a practice focused on responsible or what some people would think about as ethical, trustworthy AI. Um, and actually, when we started the practice, it has a broader focus for responsible and ethical tech, where we start off with uh, responsible AI and then start looking at other emerging technologies. And as far as uh, my getting started, um, I'll tell you this really quickly. For me, um, I decided that I wanted to be in uh, computers, a computer engineer at, in the third grade. Um, and I know that's odd, and people are like, well, how did you do that? Well, I got a computer for having the highest reading and math scores in my school at the time, and I got this computer, and some of you probably don't even know, Commodore, VIC-20. Um, it didn't do a whole lot, but, <laughs> but for me, it was that exposure to uh, computers and technology that sort of started an interest. And so at the age of eight, I decided I wanted to be a computer engineer. Fast forward, I went to Spelman College, studied computer engineering and computer science, and I've never done anything other than technology since then. Um, but the critical thing for me was being exposed because every message and everybody in my family were, were teachers. And the common uh, thing that we often are told is, you know, there are jobs that are appropriate for us. Or if you read in your storybooks, you know, the fairy tales, we don't have jobs in fairy tales, but, um, you know, we, we, we show these images of women in certain roles, homemaker, a teacher, maybe a nurse, nothing more. And that's what I had in my family. So I wouldn't have, I, I don't know what I was even saying <laughs> when I decided that that's what I wanted to do, but that's what led me into computers. And then the absence of our presence in artificial intelligence is what led me into trustworthy and ethical AI. My name is Shoba Subramanian. I am the principal program manager for university partnerships in robotics AI. And I see one robotics AI t-shirt here, woohoo. <laughs> Um, and I'll answer the question that the young lady uh, in the middle of the room asked about, do you have to have training in robotics in kind of sharing my story? Um, so I am a biologist by training, but I am an educator and a diversity, equity, inclusion advocate by choice. I am an immigrant woman of color. <laughs> I am a scientist and a mother. And to me, all four identities matter a lot. And where these identities meet matter even more, right? So I came to the US 23 years ago on a, an August afternoon to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to start my PhD at Carnegie Mellon in biological sciences. I did my PhD, I did a postdoc at the University of California, San Francisco, also called UCSF. I studied how proteins move inside cells and why that's important and why if you mess around with that, you can get a disease state. Over the last 11 or so years, I have been in the education space. I have been a faculty and a leader before I joined Amazon uh, at Carnegie Mellon first and then at the University of Michigan more recently. Uh, and over the course of my, the 11 years of work, I have built uh, a number of educational and career pathways for my students. Um, 
I have had the good fortune of working with many hundreds, maybe thousands of students over the course of my uh, work at the university. And honestly, I have heard the good, the bad, and the ugly in my office. Uh, because students come with their challenges, with their stories, and with their triumphs, right? So, and I have pushed them to really think about diverse pathways and prepare themselves for careers. And now I myself decided to kind of cross the bridge to the other side, if you will. Uh, and very recently, I joined Amazon to actually now start building partnerships with universities so I can start opening doors for people uh, of color, women of color in particular, so they can come to companies like Amazon to make an impact. And that's my story. Good afternoon. My name is Janae Glover, and I am the Senior Manager of Customer Experience for Amazon Robotics. Um, and I actually am originally from Michigan, so it's great to be back in my home state. I currently live in the DC area. And I got my start at a summer program um, between my junior and senior year in high school. It was called AIM, so it was Academically Interested Minorities, based out of Kettering University in Flint, Michigan. So before then, uh, I had a, a passion for design. I, I love to design things, and actually thought I would be an architect <laughs> when I was younger. Um, but in this college program, we did six weeks of engineering courses um, to get exposure to the different types of engineering. Um, and through that, I earned a scholarship um, to Kettering University and a co-op sponsorship from General Motors. So in that program, I really found a love with industrial engineering because it was the human factors with the technology that mattered for me. Um, I am all about um, efficiency and um, how we can grow and scale together, um, but it's the people that make everything work, right? So um, I took that passion, worked at General Motors for three years, um, and then I moved into more of the logistics and supply chain at CVS Caremark, and I worked at Walmart for five years. Um, so I really got a lot of experience with material handling equipment um, and what that means in our distribution centers and our fulfillment centers um, before moving to Amazon. And I spent six years at Amazon launching buildings, so I was actually in fulfillment centers um, installing the equipment, making sure that we're testing it and it is safe um, for our associates um, and so we can serve our customers, obviously, with our order fulfillment. So I'm recently in this role in the last four weeks, um, so I'm bringing that experience of um, the mechanisms, right, building the right tools, the standard work, so that our team can be efficient in making sure that um, that voice of the customer is within our technologies, right? Again, it is all about our operators um, because they are the ones that are making the difference. So when we can have that impact and make things safer for them and more efficient, that's what really drives me and how I, I ended up in this space. Well, that's hard to follow. I should have gone first. Uh, my name is Nima Amatya, and I'm a principal safety engineer in the uh, Amazon uh, Mechatronics organization. Um, I, uh, the way I got started in terms of the path towards automation robotics, um, I, have a, uh, I have a master's degree in public health and environmental and occupational uh, health sciences. Uh, so I immediately jumped into safety roles. So uh, my very first job, um, meaningful job, was in manufacturing. I started working uh, at Coca-Cola, uh, and really at that point in time, this was the early 2000s, so I'm dating myself here. Um, the, the idea around automation robotics was really taking shape, like every 
big manufacturer, heavy manufacturers were really investing in those uh, technologies. So my first encounter with a, a full robotic arm was in Coca-Cola. I was doing Sage for them, but like it was like eye-opening, right? I mean, just in terms of uh, the efficiencies that it brought and the safety it brought for the people who work uh, around that kind of environment. Uh, I then went on to work for Boeing, um, I, uh, and obviously the big airplanes, the Twin Isle airplanes, is where I was uh, working up in Everett in Washington. Um, again, you know, uh, a lot of automation, you know, you know, new kinds of CNC machines, uh, new kinds of assembly technologies, and new kinds of robotic arms. Um, so. Uh, that it became kind of part of my kind of persona at that point in time. So I uh, got to do a lot of that for, for Boeing, and then I got the opportunity to come and work at Amazon, and that was almost over eight years ago. And uh, the reason I came to Amazon was uh, they were really interested in starting an, an R&D uh, program. Uh, around automation, so I got to be part of that journey. Uh, we took a operating uh, fulfillment center to a research and development uh, center, um, really focusing, their charter was to automate uh, in terms of how do we take away the repetitive, difficult stuff <laughs> that our associates have to do, right? And then um, bringing in efficiency, and that was not just it, right? It's like, how do we make the workplace safer for uh, our employees? Uh, so I've been doing that for a number of years, and I see some familiar faces, so it's, it's been a great journey. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, so much for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Um, I think that, if anything, the takeaway is Anyone can do anything. So whatever your passion is, wherever your starting point is, uh, there is always a road that you can take. It may not already be paved for you, so you may have to pave it on your own. Uh, I will say Amazon is big on paving your own road. We can talk more about that later if you like. Uh, but thank you all so much. Um, one of the things I also want to call it is the diversity of these backgrounds that we have. Um, that is something that is big at Amazon. Whenever you come across Amazonians, they've always got a unique story about how they got to where they are. Um, on that note, what I want to do is have each of us talk about what it is that we're doing currently and the impact that we're having on technology and automation in our current roles. Um, and comments that we had a question about, you know, more of the safety, more of the efficiencies, more of the making it a a better play, workplace environment for um, all of our team members. Um, I want to actually start with safety, uh, if that's all right, because I think that um, that's where we that's where we started Amazon. So, anything else you wanted to add to that point? Yeah, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I do safety, right? So uh, my core competency is uh, really to inject safety in design. Um, our charter for the organization I'm in, uh, we're developing different types of products, systems uh, to bring to our uh, fulfillment network. Uh, so uh, really like looking at like whatever it is that we're developing, like uh, do we have safe electrical design? Do we have safe mechanical design? Do we have safe controls design? That's what I do. But more than that, right, like I think uh, the area that I'm <coughs> the most proud of is the fact that we've created a culture of safety with our engineering team members internally to Amazon and also with our suppliers who support us in all of these uh, development programs. So, uh, you know, 
I think some of you probably working in certain areas have heard this before. Um, when you build a product, it's not, you can't take for granted that everybody is gonna kind of think about safety at the concept phase, right? Like we have a drawing, that's when it starts, not after a machine is built, like that's not when safety needs to be thought about. So we really have gotten there, um, don't get me wrong, we have plenty of um, opportunities, but I think that's the, in, that's the impact that I feel most proud of, that we are really uh, focused on how do we keep people safe at work. Uh, people who interact with it, people who maintain it, people who come across it throughout the life cycle of the product. Yeah, I, I really like that. I just want to just call it really quick, this, this marriage between the technology and that people focus. Because yes. so, um, you don't have to choose here. Yes. You can leverage both sides of your, like who you are as a person and what your interests are, and getting it at that design level um, is amazing to use your skills and talents for both. Thank you so much. And I'll piggyback off that. As a customer experience group, um, we do just that in those initial prototype discussions. Um, you want that voice of the operator to be there at the beginning. Um, it's great if we have a great product that does great things, but when you put it in the fulfillment center, if the operators can't use it, we didn't do our job right. Exactly. So we need to um, be able to have somebody, which is what my team does. We sit in those design conversations. We sit in the testing conversations to make sure we're testing it correctly. Um, so that way we have great quality products. And if we can consistently build good products that deliver what we designed them for, for our operators, we're building that trust and we're building that brand that yes, Amazon, we care about the safety. Um, we are doing things um, for our associates that matter and improve their, their workplace. But it, again, it starts in those design conversations, like Nima said, um, and that is with safety, and that is with the voice of our customer, and that's the focus of my team is to just bring that integration um, into what we're doing to make the workplace better. So my role at Amazon is fairly new, right? Um, but as I shared a moment ago, I am a scientist, and uh, I really have a good knowledge of the scientific process. I know how questions uh, are asked and how they should be answered. So for me, the, the opportunity, which I'm super excited for to be here at Amazon, is that I am able to kind of watch how the product is being built with the scientific approach up close and personal, right? And I can connect the dots. And that kind of gives me a really good leverage as I am going to universities to build partnerships and to attract talent. So I kind of see the see both sides, right? So I'm not sitting in, uh, in a team that is not part of uh, where the product is being built. Um, the second thing also is that uh, in my short time at Amazon, I have realized that there's a lot of DEI work already ongoing. A, Amazon is a huge corporation, if you didn't know that already. <laughs> we are pretty huge. Um, but there is a commitment to DEI. So I'm kind of really building my network and making connections across the organization so I can, A, uh, be uh, supported and influenced by what's already going on so I can utilize existing resources, but also I can build things that are not there uh, right now. So I, I'm just taking that approach um, and building uh, a couple of new uh, programs to bring in diversity, equity, and inclusion from uh, the university side into Amazon. Yeah. So I'll give you all a little slightly different perspective. What you've been hearing is specifically around Amazon and what we do like when you all are buying products. I'm, I'm a huge, even before working, Amazon truck comes way too often to my home. But, <laughs> but that's, that's one perspective. When we sit in AWS, you know, we have a responsibility 
um, well, we're building services that other people are building on top of, right? So if you all are familiar with, um, you know, some of our customers, like um, I'm going to draw a blank on Netflix or um, or Airbnb, right? Uber, right? They they um, they build on top of us, and so they leverage. AI services in order to build their products and deliver to other customers like us. Um, so the work that I get to do is then working with those entities, right? These major organizations across the globe um, and across every industry to, to help them think through how do we build in ways that include us, right? So the key with responsible or ethical you know, technology or AI is that we're not, and we don't wanna miss opportunities to make sure everyone is included. So we've been talking about how do we ensure the voice of the customer is there? Well, the same thing is true when we have customers building off of our services. We actually take in some of our responsibility to help them understand how do they leverage our services in ways to make sure that we're all included, that no one's left out, that the human or customers are at the center of the way in which they build and develop. And that's critically important because we know that there are potential risks or uh, side effects to not considering everyone. There are side effects to, to leveraging AI in ways where we don't understand or there's a sort of a lack of intentionality. And my job and is to first bring in the teams of individuals that understand that, and then we go out and help our customers in the way in which they build, right? To make them think, help them look around corners, understand where there's unintended impact, and to put in the right structure so that they can reduce that and reduce the potential for harm or impact, in particular to the underrepresented. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what, I, what I hope you all have been able to absorb from this is the scale at which these ladies are impacting the work around the world. Um, there is nothing small that is happening. Everything is big and significant <laughs> and is moving so far and so fast. And it's so amazing uh, to be a part of that and to see that in action. Uh, I want to take some time to talk about what has maybe been challenging along your various journeys in terms of driving that impact? Um, and Shoba, I wanted to start with you since you're the newest. Like, what are, have you, uh, I, I, I wonder as the, the, the freshest set of eyes on our panel today, has anything jumped out or, or stood out to you? And then we can go to the rest of the group. So I think, I mean, women occupy spaces, you know, everywhere and we should. And um, I'll speak of my broader experience because I'm fairly new to Amazon and my experiences here are not that long. Um, I think the one thing that I think everybody in this room uh, maybe can resonate with and has experienced is women of color being put in a box and people setting expectations for us that we don't agree to, right? And there's one particular story or um, an episode that happened very early on in my career that uh, is kind of still, I would say, fresh in my memory. So this happened many, many years ago. Um, I wanted to start uh, a course on science communication, uh, and scientific speaking in particular. Um, and a certain uh, colleague of mine who I actually looked up to quite a bit um, told me that I 
was not the person to teach that course. And reading between the lines, it was apparent to me it was because, A, I mean, I, I'm an immigrant, I have an accent, I didn't grow up here, and it was almost as though, like, like how are you even qualified to teach this course, right? Uh, and I had actually done a pilot, and my pilot was successful. And that was incredibly hard to hear and to digest, right? Uh, but these things, this type of aggressions happen. Um, and what I did was I decided to find other mechanisms to actually launch the course, uh, and it was quite successful. My students did pretty well in their science presentation. We got a lot of good feedback. Um, and I feel like, you know, as much as it's easy to say, but I think we should keep reminding ourselves that the naysayers or the people who are going to tell you that you are not ready or you are not qualified to do this are going to come tell you those things, and you just need to shut that off as noise uh, and just keep pushing forward. Um, and to do that, just uh, find your community, right? And I wish somebody had told me this when I was a student uh, or when I was still in training or when I was a young faculty member, that finding your, um, I think somebody said this, it's, this is not my words, your own um, board of directors, your personal board of directors is, is, what, is what I heard or read somewhere, uh, where you have people who can be your mentors, people who are you know, confidants, who you can send a quick text to saying, can I just chat with you for five minutes or something I just want to uh, you know, consult with you on. And then once you kind of build that network and if that network also looks like what you look like and you identify them, identify with them, uh, I think your journey becomes a little bit easier. When those naysayers come, you can plough through those situations and deal with that so much more easier uh, than, than not. Uh, so yeah, so I think women of color deal with these things and we still have a, a long way to go, uh, but we just need to kind of keep pushing forward. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. Um, and I love, so in true Amazon fashion, she presents the problem and the solution. That's, that's, that's all we do, right? We, 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 we encounter these barriers and we just overcome them. We knock them down, we go around them, we find a path forward. And so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I wanted to actually ask Janae, because you've been with Amazon for a while, but you're newer in your role. What about you? Any challenges that have popped up? Yeah, absolutely, and I actually really relate um, to Shoah's example. So being with Amazon for six years, I was in the same organization, um, jumped with different roles within that organization, but I was very comfortable in the space that I was in. Um, so I decided it was time to, to do something different. Um, so I am in week four of this new role, and I will tell you, um, it's very true. I have become, I found myself being a little uncomfortable in some of the rooms because it's new people, right? There's new acronyms. Amazon loves their acronyms. <laughs> and I will tell you, there are new acronyms even six years in <laughs> that I had to learn. But um, trusting your gut is really important and knowing that you belong in that space. And it's not just a one time, yep, I overcame, I did it, I'm here, right? You have to continuously build that confidence in yourself. Again, six years into Amazon, I kind of fell. I was like, ooh, one weekend, I don't really know what's going on in the room. Should I speak up? But it's a continuous uplifting of yourself. So make sure you surround yourself with people that can you know, gut check you. Um, sometimes you just need someone to talk to, to to make sure that you're good. You don't have to do that all by yourself. Um, so build relationships with people. Um, 
you know, the more that you talk and gain knowledge, um, you feel more comfortable and confident. So don't be afraid to make space for yourself. Um, I've had a lot of um, challenges earlier in my career because I didn't know how to speak up and make space for myself. Um, the example that I remember is uh, I was on a real estate site selection trip. So I was on a, a real estate trip selecting where we we're putting this million, dollar, uh, million square foot facility. And you never disclosed your company when you were on these trips because um, you wanted to be unbiased. And I was the only woman on the group, only woman of color. Um, and as we're meeting these landowners who are white, older male <laughs> um, owners, I had the one with all of the questions because I had the knowledge of the building design. I needed to know parking spaces, square footage, utilities, all of that. Everyone else kind of had their own you know, little piece of it, but um, I was the main one with the information. So I'm asking questions to this landowner, and he would never look me in the eye. He would look at my male coworkers and give the answers. And I, and I continued to ask the questions because you're not going to just run over me. But I will say, going back, I never addressed him directly. <laughs> I continued to have my questions and have the conversation because, you know, I'm here, you're going to respond. But I wish that I had spoke up for myself back then, earlier in my career, to say, excuse me, I'm I'm right. here, right? <laughs> um, so don't be afraid to speak up for yourself because you do matter um, and your voice is here and you're here for a reason. You know, it is interesting that you said that because um, I was thinking of a scenario and, you know, I've become comfortable and, and this is not a good thing, but I've become comfortable being the only one in the room. Like there was a, so, so I've been in technology for over 26 years. I, at the beginning, I, you know, I would walk in, I want it to be, wanted to be not to be seen I wanted to fit in right yes. and I felt like if I fit in then they would let me do my job and I could you know excel which was crazy how are you a black girl gonna fit in when you're the only <laughs> black girl in the picture right or in the room so I was going to stand out but in my mind I thought you know I'll wear my bland color suit and you know I'll keep my hair permed right mm. and I can fit in, right? I thought that that was going to work. But then I got to a point where, you know, I would walk in a room and I would come for a meeting, and this happens quite a bit actually as a consultant at Amazon, and I would come in to a customer's environment, enterprise customers, major, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100, whatever it is, and I would walk in the room and they would assume somebody else was leading. They would assume somebody else was the one that they were coming into the meeting for, not me. And, and so where, where you felt like maybe I should respond, I don't feel like that anymore. I just, I just like kind of relish in the fact that you have to listen to me. <laughs> I'm here. I'm the one you're here for. Um, and, and so there's a little bit of comfort in, you know, and yes, there are days where you feel uncomfortable or whatever because, you know, it's, it's not ideal that you're the only one, right? But I also know what I bring to the table. I know what I'm capable of doing. And so now when I walk in those rooms, I'm like, yes, you're here to see me. And you could kind of feel however you want to feel, but actually the company hired me to come and talk to you. So, you know, this is what you're going to get, right? Uh, and, and there's a certain degree of, you know, um, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Now, the challenge that I now have is that I'm walking into organizations, and there's an element of responsible or ethical AI, as I've been talking, that's related to inclusion, diversity, and equity. And the vast majority of the people I talk to don't care, right? They are white male individuals 
who don't have that sort of awareness or perspective oftentimes. And so there's one sense where I want to be able to help you to be able to advance your ability to leverage technology, but I also recognize that there is a real equitable sort of consideration, um, a, a diversity and inclusion fairness kind of context that you have to have. And so part of the challenge is how do I navigate being able to meet you where you are and still drive towards the same outcome or the necessary outcome of bringing equity and bringing fairness into our systems. And so that's, that's the sort of real challenge. And, 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 and some of that is I have to meet them where they are. So if you're thinking that, you know, I want to be able to achieve X, I, I, want, I want to be able to scale my business, I want to be able to build a product that is going to, you know, reach certain populations, I can talk to you about that, right? Um, you can't build a system that people don't trust if people don't trust your technology, they're not going to buy it. If they don't buy it, that's not going to result in the financial outcomes or the market you know, segment reach that you want. We can talk about that, but ultimately there is a part of this that's going to require them to include. And so it has been navigating that because you know, initially you might want to say, look, there are systemic and institutional racism embedded into our systems and you need to, that's not going to work. <laughs> I need because I need them to invite me back, right? <laughs> I need to come. I need to be invited into the room. I need to earn their trust so that we can actually build. Uh, and, and so, and over time, you know, sometimes we get to that. And so, you know, the, the 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 difficulty, oftentimes, is I know what the end game is, and so how do we bring people along, right? And not feel like I am compromising my position or not being authentic or not speaking my truth, but I know I need to reach them, meet them where they are, right? So that we can take them on that journey. And so I think that would be my challenge. Uh, so, I mean, all of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think kind of taking it to the, the next point here, like all of the above, like really building a shared vision with a larger stakeholder you know, that you work with um, is not always easy. It, you know, everybody has their way of doing things, their own vision. Uh, so I think one of the challenges that I come across is exactly that. We work with, you know, internal stakeholders, external stakeholders. Um, their alignment is not guaranteed, right? But like you do need to deliver a product. Uh, so. Uh, it's it's important um, to really go through the journey. It, to me, it is a journey where you know you are having to bring them along with you in terms of your vision and really like a hey, status quo is not good enough. Like I, I think for all of us to stand on our ground and say that no, yeah, we, yeah okay, you've done it for 20 years, 40 years, okay. So we're gonna do better, right? Mm -hmm. We always have opportunities to do better in many different ways. So I think uh, the challenge is every day to make that happen. Um, we are up for it. Uh, I think we've made a lot of progress, like specifically even talking about safety. I think we've gone a long way um, uh, internally, but you know, as well as externally, because we work with a lot of suppliers and vendors. Uh, and you know, I think for me, the turnaround point uh, comes when they start to say, you know, okay, 
we know we resisted, <laughs> you know, we, we know, you know, you're raising the bar, but I think this is good for everybody, right? right. So um, those challenges, I think everybody faces every day, but uh, don't, like, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate that context because um, I think what we, again, the theme is we have these challenges. We continue to not just um, drive innovation in our systems, in our programs, but also in ourselves and in our teams and in the people that we support. So I think there's that continuous learning, continuous improvement that um, is embedded by virtue of the fact that Amazon is always changing, always doing something different, and always going for that next thing. And we all get to grow along with that as we drive our systems there as well. Uh, thank you so much for sharing what your, in, your individual experiences have been um, and how you have grown in that way. I do have a question. Um, so I, would, I love the lessons that you've learned. And one day, people won't have to learn them, right? Because we would have arrived. But in the meantime, while we're working towards that, is there anything that you all are doing to help others who are like coming up behind you, you know, to have fewer hurdles or different challenges or things like that, um, just so that they can kind of um, accelerate in their growth and development? Now, uh, that's part of your job, right? To remove barriers and challenges for people. Is that right? I would say so. Mm. So um, in terms of uh, removing barriers, I think, first of all, a lot needs to be uh, done in that space, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm echoing. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so a few things. First of all, um, I openly and without <laughs> any element of you know, being shy, advocate for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And the word belonging is important, right? And I do that uh, every opportunity I get or anywhere where there is a space for me uh, to speak about that. And sp just speaking about that is, is not enough, right? We all can talk about it, uh, but we need to come up with solutions. Um, and the solutions definitely has to be sustainable and long-term because there are many stopgap solutions. There are things that can be like performative that can be done. We can have flashy websites, but that's not enough, right? Uh, it has to be done and it has to kind of percolate through, uh, through the system. So that is, uh, that's important. Uh, the other thing that uh, is, is not easy at all, but it's taken me a long time is me, myself, uh, being vulnerable, right? Especially when I'm given a platform like this or when I'm talking to the next generation, you know, at an event or during my uh, uh, times when I've had to kind of talk to students about the next steps, sharing your own story, right? And telling them that challenges happen all the time uh, and they actually don't end. Like just because you are a little bit older, uh, that does not mean that you're not going, you're not going to have challenges, right? They're, it's kind of continual um, and we just have to keep pushing. So kind of sharing my story um, with as much, uh, you know, information that I can share to help the next person, uh, it's not easy, uh, right? But it has to be done because when you share your own story, some people can, you know, resonate with it and they can connect with it and maybe they are more um, empowered to share their own story. Um, and I always have told my students also, like when you share, even in a job interview, when you're sharing your, uh, your stories, people want to listen to you more as opposed to a set of facts, right? Uh, so stories are powerful uh, and think about, and this, your story is what makes you you and each of us Little, all of us here have our unique story, and nobody can take that away from you because that is you, right? So think about what 
uh, that story of yours that you want to share with people is, and how you're going to share that. So these are some of the things I'm doing. Um, and of course, at a, at a more mechanistic level, like I said, I'm developing programs uh, to build partnerships with universities. Uh, and my goal is to meet the workforce where they are, right? Uh, I don't expect them to come to a point and then say, okay, now we have opened the door for you. We have to meet them at a point where they are and then say, how can we work together? And that's why the partnership with universities uh, is important because that's where training is happening, right? Mm -hmm. So if companies can partner with universities, I think uh, the future is going to be so much more brighter. And Zia, did you, uh, do you have anything else to share in terms of how you are like paving the way? Well, so, <laughs> you know, um, for me, that is critical. It's a part of, I believe, my responsibility as a woman, as a person of color, being afforded the opportunities that I have. You know, my, my school's motto is a choice to change the world. Mm -hmm. I make a choice every day, and one of those ways is with the way in which I engage with people. My expectation or my desire of myself is, is as I encounter people regularly, that those are opportunities for us to help change the world. And so whether it is in the work that I do sort of publicly, you know, for a company like Amazon or in my volunteer work or the opportunities I get to take young students to tour HBCUs during my spring break, um, it is about the things that we do to point to someone, other people so that we can change the world. Why? Because we can't sit. Uh, in seats of privilege with opportunity and not think about what was required of others that allowed us to get to that particular space. So for me, it's, it's about what I do every day. And what is, how does that materialize? Well, one is, I was sharing earlier that if I know something that's gonna help somebody else be able to, uh, I'm telling. <laughs> right? Some people are comfortable with knowing things because then I've arrived. Right, then I get to sit on a seat, I have a little bit more knowledge than you, I'm, that, that doesn't work for me, right? I, I, if I know something, I'm sharing. I'm going to open the floodgates, there's no secrets. <laughs> so that we all can, because if, if I rise, then you rise, right? So this is an opportunity for us to share. Um, I created a program at AWS, which was specifically to help women grow and get exposed to opportunities, exposed to leadership. So it was a leadership development program. That's one of the ways important. I have dozens of stu students, well, students, uh, younger employees, and others that I mentor. I'm a part of a couple of external groups that I, where I mentor as well. Um, and then the work that I do is, is about actually paving the way. If we think about the impact that technology has and the way in which AI is being used every day in every program or every industry, then it's important for us to be thinking about how do we invite those in? Are we ensuring that we have the right perspective of those that are less uh, represented or marginalized or disadvantaged? And so part of our conversation in terms of how we build is putting humans at the center, right? and including, so I talk about responsible and inclusive technology. And so for me, every conversation, not everybody's gonna buy our services, not everybody's, but then I get to sort of plant seeds so people are thinking, are we doing the things necessary? Have we, hopefully, 
you know, at some point, maybe not today, <laughs> but tomorrow, or, you know, there, there'll be considerations about who we bring in and who we're included and whose voice is represented. Um, and that's, that's about creating space for others as well. I love that. Just like building it right into the process. Just it's, it's absolutely. Yes. And it has to be right. So I remember you were saying like, sometimes it doesn't happen. We're like, no, this is a conversation that would be happening when we start deciding, like, are we going to do this project? Right? Do we have enough data to make sure that we're including or all the people or all the data points that we should? Right? Some of that has to be done early on uh, because there's a huge cost to waiting till the end or waiting later on and finally, like, oops, I made a mistake or this is going to have an impact and trying to work that back. Right, so we're trying to invite those decisions, those conversations at the beginning. And can I bring others in? Are there ways for me to infuse this perspective? Can I make sure that I'm not leaving, right, individuals out, people who would be impacted, right? And that's everyone. And let me apologize because I didn't do this at the beginning, and I normally do this, and I don't even know why I didn't. But normally, when I introduce myself, I say that I'm D-O-N, and my pronouns are she/her. Why? Because it's important, right, that we start thinking about how do I include others? And so even in something like how I introduce myself helps invite others in, right? And that's part of our learning, but it's also part of our contribution when we start talking about how we build and the things that we do and trying to make our technology inclusive. Thank you so much. Uh, did you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, I think we talked a lot about like how, like how do we address this like systemically, systematically, you know, process driven. But I think there's also a notion that we I think need to live every day. Like whenever it, it might be a simple opportunity, right? Like uh, you know, one example that I can always come up with because it happens still more often than it should. Um, women sometimes are not heard in a meeting. Sometimes we are the only woman, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is still happening a lot. But um, it, like you're not heard a, a lot. And so when you're in a room and somebody, you know, one of your women peers speaks, and then five minutes later, a male peer speaks, and then all of a sudden everybody hears him, you know, <laughs> like take a moment to kind of acknowledge that, hey, I agree with you, like, and I, you know, she just mentioned that just five minutes ago. I, I think we need to take those little opportunities, like, all the time like you know we might be in a situation where we have the ears of the leadership right and we know of somebody who's you know accomplished x y or z take those moments take those opportunities to talk about your peer like hey such and such like they they did this this is freaking amazing like if you're in a room where <laughs> others are not right like where you are able to help with their development their progress be the person advocating for them. So I think systemically we need to absolutely do a lot, but I, you know, individually I think we can every day do something for our That's peers. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'll piggyback on that a little bit. For me, when I'm in my mentor relationships, whether it's formal or informal, just having conversations with people, I like to help them remove themselves as the barrier. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, we know we have the knowledge, right? We have the skill set, um, but we sometimes don't have that confidence to act upon it um, if we don't have an advocate in the room for us. So 
I like to listen to others and acknowledge what they're feeling, right? Acknowledge the experiences that they've gone through. Those microaggressions are real. Um, yeah. So sometimes you just need to listen and, and validate that for somebody so you can empower them to, to have that confidence for themselves. So again, even in your, your daily conversations, like sometimes people just need to listen um, and acknowledge what you're going through so you can remove that self-doubt um, and trust yourself, um, again, you are in that space for a reason, and I said it before, that's that's, it's very that's valid. You are here for a purpose, um, so you have to live in that. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Um, at this point, I want to kind of begin to transition to um, some Q&A. Um, we do have some kind of pre-submitted questions prepared, but since you all have been such an amazing group, I want to give you first dibs. Um, if anyone has a question, um, I can come to you or you can shout it out. And if not, I'm happy to go through some of the questions that we've gotten uh, submitted prior to the session. Anyone question about, oh, yes, right here. Yeah, let me just repeat it just in case anyone missed it. I love the question. Thank you so much. Uh, the idea of um, when women are in the room and not necessarily being each other's advocate, um, how have you experienced that? And if you have, how have you uh, managed or navigated that? I'll say uh, I have encountered that before. And one of my go-tos is building that relationship with people. I have a pre-meeting before the meeting, right? We're gonna get aligned, um, so that way we know each other's feelings on the issue at hand um, first, um, so that we can be aligned going into the room as a, a united front. Um, because you're right, the men will sit in the room and they may, they may argue, but behind the scenes, they're at the water cooler shaking hands and they've, they've made their deals. And we need to operate the same, right? To your point, we need to be inclusive of one another, and it is sad that there are experiences like that. Um, but yeah, I like to have a, a powwow <laughs> beforehand and build those relationships. Um, I, I can just share my personal, um, one of the things is, is just the awareness that it happens, right? And, and what I do is I will check myself. How am I responding to this other person around me? And just owning the fact that I may fall into that trap and just immediately checking myself out of it. So um, just being that, that self-aware, um, knowing that um, we've all, we all are continuing to grow, myself included. And so I need to be part of my own solution to make sure that it's inclusive for everyone. Thank you for the question. Any other questions from anyone uh, in the room? Yeah, so the idea of like, how do, we, how do we keep at it? How do we keep going next day and next day? Um, anyone wanna get us started? Sure, so I'm a person of faith. And so my faith is what gets, is what sort of grounds me in those moments where I don't feel like it or I am drained because of the fight. But the other thing, and I was shared this with them earlier today, was I'm fueled by people. So opportunities that I get to you know, go and talk to young people and to be able to inspire them or to see them desiring you know, opportunity or being in environments like this where we have a network right, of women, like-minded women that are looking to achieve. Sometimes that is what I need right, to fuel me so that I'm encouraged to go. And so sometimes we will talk about it and just like, somebody said it earlier, sometimes just somebody else to sort of hear you or even to commiserate for a moment will, will kind of help, you know, feel you and give you, at least for me, give me what I need so I go back into it. And I think the last thing for me is thinking about what the future holds, right? Can I afford not to go another day? Can I afford uh, not to keep pushing at this? Because they're my, my babies 
are, are left in the balance if I stop fighting, right? My nieces and my nephews, the next generation. So for me, there is, like that is, cause this is not about me. This is much bigger than me. At least for me, my work is much bigger than Dia. So what fuels me is when I go back to remember, what's my why? Why am I here? What's my purpose in this? And um, even for the moments that I'm frustrated, that, that centers me, that grounds me. I, I like what um, Stova said earlier, your board of directors. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna formally create my board of directors. Um, I think uh, I feel empowered when I go and talk to these people who are mentors for me. Like, I, mean, I actually walk away feeling empowered to make decisions, feeling empowered to go change the world again. You know, I think you kind of need to have that basic group of people who you can like honestly, openly, transparently just have it out, right? And who will honestly, transparently, you know, give you those feedback, like without holding anything back. Um, those are really meaningful. I have maybe three of those people. Sometimes it's just, you know, I had a horrible day. It sucks. I mean, you know, it's cathartic to just go rant for a minute, right? But those are within the safe walls of these people. So I think, you know, you do need that throughout your career, no matter which level you get to what you are doing. Uh, I think you need to seek it out. I think for me, um, I've been uh, given a forced mentor, didn't work, it needs to be organic. Uh, but you do need to kind of seek that out, form those relationships. Um, and, and the path you choose, like, you know, I think you need to give yourself a lot of room around being in uncomfortable roles, situations, those help you grow like nothing else. So um, even if you're feeling maybe stressed out, um, you know, the idea of growth, the, the, the knowledge that you're growing, I think it's really empowering too. So seek out opportunities that might put you in uncomfortable situations. Let me say just one thing. If any of you do not have a personal board of directors, you all make sure to find me on LinkedIn. I yeah, will give yeah. you the <laughs> format and the structure everybody should have. It's mm -hmm, basically yeah. your circle that's going to help elevate you to the next. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, and it makes, it forces you to think about it and actually be strategic. Yeah because we can't play the, the short game. You have to be strategic about yep. who's yep. in your circle, who's in your corner, who's gonna help you get yep. to the next. So if you don't have it, like you, you need to have it, yes. make sure you get it. I will share it with you. Remember <laughs> I told you, if I know something, I'm sharing it. <laughs> Just want to add one um, quick thing to all the awesome things that's already been said. I think the one thing of course is to keep the eye on the prize, right? Like where are you headed? And many of us have said that, which is great. But also sometimes to me personally, it helps to kind of reflect back on how far I have come. I'm like, I'm not gonna stop now. Yeah. I mean, I came to the US, my air tickets are on a loan. I took loan to come here to kind of pay my first month of rent till my stipend came in, right? I'm not gonna stop now because somebody said something ridiculous yeah. to me. It hurts, it stings, and I have somebody who I'll rant to, and I'll, I have that person judgment-free, just, you can't, can you believe this happened, blah, 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 and then I'm done with it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes it, can, it, it's in, it gets into your system, like some stories really sting so hard that it's hard to shake it off, but that's fine. Uh, but you just have to take a moment, uh, or sometimes you know, 
take a couple of hours and say, okay, let me think about like why I'm here, but how far I have come, and I'm not gonna stop now, because I just have like pushed my way every single day for the last how many ever years, and you know, somebody saying something or somebody coming in my way is not going to keep me from going forward. So um, just to, to recap, so plus one to board of directors, <laughs> highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> definitely plus 10, being uncomfortable, or being comfortable being uncomfortable, it is the best. Because once you get to the point, it actually becomes fun. Um, <laughs> it's a necessary yes. evil. Yes. I don't know um, if it's fun, but. <laughs> and, and definitely plus infinity to, to faith. Uh, but I want to come back to the fun part. Because honestly, if I'm no longer having fun, I'm not going to bring my best. And that doesn't help anyone. And so if I see that I have lost that thrill, lost that engagement, lost that, it's I might need to evaluate opportunities and see if there's something that's a better fit for me, a better fit mm -hmm. for the organization, and just being comfortable doing that self-reflection and having that conversation. So hopefully that's helpful. So does Amazon have a network within the organization where you can have a platform similar to this, but where you just can't, like the women can get together and lie and rant and share experiences <laughs> about how like this? Does Amazon have that inside, like if I was interested in pursuing a career? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I will say there are informal and formal ways to do that. So we have a formal mentoring circle um, that you can be a part of, and it can be around being a woman, being a woman of color, um, or it could just be of your industry or a passion or interest. So formally, you can set that up, and informally, right? If you know a few individuals and you want to invite them, you can have informal. I will say people are very open to just throwing time on their calendar they make time to speak with you because like she said, we, are, we all have diverse backgrounds and we all learn from one another and that's what makes us, makes us innovative. Um, but I will say yes, the answer is there are opportunities to have those conversations and to be authentic in them. We have affinity groups affinity. as affinity well, groups, right? Yes. So our affinity groups would be similar to what you described, some of our uh, um, common interests or common background groups. So military, we have families, women, Black Employee Network, Glamazon, um, which is for our LGBTQIA2 plus community, right? Like yep. we have all of those, which are formal networks. Um, and then, you know, there are like, against other opportunities where we would do like circles, um, so she was talking about some of the mentoring, but then just sort of external, like in some of our leadership groups, there are circles as well. So I think, I think there are tons of, <laughs> tons of ways. And the other one is, so we have this mental health that, um, like, so there's a whole mental health group. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I don't know if it's a affinity group, but yeah, there's a whole yep. mental health segment that has been added um, since COVID. And so they have, we have mental health days where people just like shut off for the day and they'll just give you like um, inspirational and like timeout rest development um, times, you know, throughout the week. And so they schedule those randomly, but then like the mental health group is also creating opportunities. Um, and then those things also come up at different times, depending on what's happening um, culturally or like in our, in our world. And so they'll create space for that as well. And if you come and you don't find what you're looking for, you can start it. That is also yes. very welcome. <laughs> Any other questions or comments uh, from the room? I have one. Um, uh, one who was in bio, uh, 
biological science, I'm a chemist, I'm a research chemist. And uh, as you know, being in the area that we're in, we're, we're kind of like the only ones um, in the room, me, um, white male, gray-haired white male uh, in the room. So it's, I, I, I have a saying, I want to be the change. I, I want to be the change that I want to see. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. So I just want to know, like, coming from biological sciences, coming into the arena that you are in now, you know, um, how gratifying is it? What's different about it? Um, um, would you change it? Um, and 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 how did you make the decision to leave? Because we love what we do as scientists, women um, as scientists and sciences. So how did you make that change and say, hey, I'm gonna do something different now, um, even though I like young women. Again, well, that's a really good question, and I can talk about it for like eight hours. <laughs> but, but I'll take just a couple of minutes. Uh, so I think the the change uh, did not happen overnight. It uh, it took a lot of introspection, and uh, the work that I did over the years is what kind of uh, made me change um, my own path over uh, you know over the course of the last decade or so. So I think biology was important, right? Um, and it still is. I mean, I love science. Every time I see, you know, a new COVID vaccine or something coming up, I get super psyched about it, and I read up everything that I can because that's how I'm wired. Uh, but that aside, I think once I started as a faculty and as an educator um, at the university, it became apparent that you know there's a lot of things in education beyond the science uh, that have left uh, that have not been addressed, right? So slowly, I started kind of you know pushing myself into those spaces or kind of making noise about that in meetings that, you know, what are we doing to empower students to prepare for careers? What are we doing, like for example, the science communication course I said, like how are we preparing our students to be, you know, the best speakers that they can can be, right? So so over the course of the many years, I have kind of left teaching the biology uh, and moved more towards education and making career pathways, changing uh, uh, you know, systems and, you know, curriculum such that we are really empowering the next generation of workforce, especially with a lens uh, on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that is how I, I am where I am now. So it was a very active, active choice uh, over time. Um, yeah. But I think the, the fact that you're a scientist never goes away, right? You are a scientist for life, and I'm still a scientist because I can understand how science um, what, like why science is important and what makes good science, what makes uh, rigorous science, and what makes ethical uh, science, and all of that is important. Yeah. And I would add to that, right? Like your analytical skills mm -hmm. transcends over many, many disciplines. So I think you actually would bring a lot more to the table with other team members, right? Like just the way you think, you, the diversity in your approach your you know your uh, analysis I think it'll actually help in many different ways it doesn't have to be in your specific discipline right like I think um, your analytical skill is what makes allows you to kind of think big picture think big uh, it doesn't have to be in your specific field that you are a subject matter expert and I think uh, I think everybody here who's in the stem environment that that's something that I would absolutely encourage you to think about because you are a thought leader uh, that's that's what's the most important part of it and the rest of it is gonna come along 
And if you do come, there's an affinity group where we get all the scientists together <laughs> yes. to talk about and share and encourage that each other. Too. So it, it's, it's really good. It's um, <laughs> so one thing I want to call, just looking at the time, we are going to be hosting um, a network event right after this. So if you go ahead and scan this QR code, you'll be able to get some information about that, drop off your resume and things like that. Um, a little bit of a teaser, what I wanna do as we kind of close this part of our time with you all together is to talk about what our panelists are most excited about with Amazon? Like, what's keeping them there? Is it something that they're looking forward to in the future, something they're experiencing currently? Uh, if you don't mind with our, our final thoughts, like, what keeps you at Amazon? Just wanna get everyone excited. I'll go first. Um, look, you know, I've been at Amazon for over eight years. Uh, the opportunities that I've been given um, that has allowed me to grow, uh, you know, I see that as risk that Amazon has taken in me. So it's really amazing to be part of uh, an organization where your leaders do that. Um, the second thing uh, for me, I, I know this is probably not the broad uh, view of Amazon externally, but Amazon is very introspective. You know, we, we know that we need to do better, and we do. And I really love that culture. We're, we, we're always, we, we have this leadership principle called vocally critical, uh, self-critical. So I really, really, really like that. Uh, and then lastly, I mean, you heard all these folks. <laughs> I mean, I get to hang out with and work with the most passionate, most innovative, brilliant minds. So yeah. it's really about the people. Yes. Plus one on all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the opportunities at Amazon, because we are such a large company, are endless, like seriously. Um, and for me, I really enjoy um, Amazon being future focused. Um, we're customer obsessed and we're not afraid to fail. You have an environment that encourages you to take a risk, take a chance. We have what's called two-way door decisions. So if you have an idea, go for it, right? Let's have a backup plan. But it's OK to pivot and to change your mind when you have more data. Um, and for me, I want that environment because I'm an idea person. I love to create and develop. And everything that you have an idea on isn't going to go perfectly, right? And I'm at a company that understands that and is willing to take that risk for you to, to be creative and innovative um, at the end of the day. I would say the um, Amazon leadership principles, uh, it's, you can look it up. You can on the internet, it's everywhere. There's a website on um, Amazon about it. Um, and these leadership principles are what kind of make us, uh, help us make decisions daily. And I honestly was hooked during my own interview process. I was like, this is amazing. Uh, there are many you know, great principles, customer obsession, learn and be curious. Uh, but two things that really uh, like hit home for me is the think big. Uh, principle, so uh, I'm all about that. So you really have to uh, think big solutions for big problems, and that is one thing I totally love. Uh, the second uh, principle that I uh, like a lot, among others, is um, strive to be Earth's best employer. The word strive is very important, right? You don't become the best employer and kind of are done with it. You're constantly getting better and better and better. So the word strive built into that principle speaks a lot. Uh, again, speaks a lot about the introspection and vocally self-critical. Uh, and we just kind of keep growing and getting better and raising the bar. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> uh, what, what keeps me at Amazon is I am doing what I want. I created my job. 
right? I created my team. What I am doing is what I created. And I mean, I know that sounds really interesting, but, but you know, we talked about being able to create and innovate. I wanted to do this. And they gave me a platform to be able to do so. So, I mean, who would leave a place where you get to write your job description and then do it? <laughs> I mean, but that's really what I did. And, and, and beyond that, it is the opportunity to leverage this huge organization to be able to have real world impact. And that's what I'm about. With that, I would love for all of us to give a round of applause to our amazing panelists who have come to share their story, and to you for your amazing involvement. Your time with us is precious, and we appreciate that you were committed to coming and sharing some of that with us. Um, hopefully, uh, you have heard some things that you can immediately take with you in action. Uh, hopefully, you have gained additional or expanded interest in Amazon, and if so, we would love to see you at our networking event uh, <laughs> right after this over at the Marriott. Um, if you have any other follow-up questions, uh, I think some of our panelists are gonna be there along with other Amazonians, um, so you can ask other questions, get more details, uh, whatever it is that you're curious about. Uh, and with that, um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your time at the conference. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.